this is a, a nice uh, friendship scene, and friendship's a big deal. Everyone needs to have not just, just casual acquaintances, but one, two, or three really close, really good, or even best friends that can lay it to you straight and, and really care for you. And no second thoughts, just decision to sacrifice it. Wasn't even a thought or wasn't even any calculation going on. It was just obvious for a best friend to do. Welcome to episode 13 of the 20 digit scene review podcast. I have myself David and co-host Alex. Hello. Thank you everyone for joining again. We've reached lucky number 13. We are odd, so that only means Alex, you're up first. Alrighty. This uh this week I've got Bird Box lined up, starring of course Sandra Bullock. Uh, the 56 minute and 20 second mark uh, available on Netflix. So I will start off by saying um, uh, a warning to our listeners that there's, I'm going to be talking about some moderate spoilers of, of the film. So if you're hoping to go see this, uh, maybe you, you could just check out the show notes of, for this episode. You can skip ahead to David's segment if that concerns you. So moving on. Yeah, Bird Box featuring Sandra Bullock. Um, also uh, a role of John Malkovich in a supporting role in this oh. film. Yeah, I didn't know it's kind of neat to see him in there. He, he did pretty well, actually. I like what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not in this the scene that I'm going to be talking about. So let me let me set up the context of the of the whole film in case anyone who hasn't seen it yet, because otherwise you, there's a little bit of a behavior in the scene that you won't quite understand. So the main thing to remember here is that in the film's world, something, and I won't say exactly what, uh, but something has kind of spread everywhere, some kind of like creatures or, or entities like worldwide around the globe. And it's modern times, right? So this isn't like fantasy or something. And um, these entities, whatever they are, they remain outside. They don't go indoors uh, for whatever reason. That's just like the rules that they follow. Uh, it's just the way, their nature or something. And the thing is, if people go outside and they, they look around outdoors, then there's like severe consequences. It's sometimes it's fatal. Okay, so this is a this is a thriller, suspense, uh, semi-horror kind of film. So that's that's kind of the, the sets hmm. the stage for what's happening. And it's a bit so of a switch scene, for you, Alex. So I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think you were a bit of a yeah. horror guy. <laughs> I'm not. And, you know, to, honestly, like I was saying that uh, the genre, the the genre of, of horror or fright and stuff is is really not my thing. Actually, I I, <laughs> I pretty uh, intently steer away from that kind of thing. But somehow I was roped into watching this <laughs> with some other people, <laughs> and that okay, this is this is not bad. I I can handle it. And this scene exemplifies what I liked about the film because uh, it's it's an exception insofar as in, in the horror genre because they don't actually sh- at least in the scene they don't show much in or anything at all really there's no there's no claws there's no fangs or, or teeth or, or uh, blood or, or, or gore grotesqueness or anything like that and yet it the way the, the, the filmmakers are doing the director the, the acting the cinematography it's lining everything up and it's just it's pulling out all the stops in terms of the filming techniques to to generate uh, the, the suspense and, uh, and and the the fear and the terror the anticipation the anxiety in the in the audience uh, and I found that really neat um, the the creatures in in the in the film at least in this scene they don't they're not shown to physically do anything to people 
Okay, so that's, I guess you could almost call them ghosts, I suppose, as far as, as this scene is concerned. But they do cause people to change. Like there's a psychological effect. And you can see mm. this in the film trailer if you go, if you just kind of go watch it. So, so that's, that's kind of that's the, why she's that, got the uh, blindfold on her. Yeah, it's yeah, it's I the dan- that's the danger of the world okay. that they're in, right. where they're they're just kind of not allowed to see whatever mm. is seen when you go when you go outside. Um, and so huh. the film again it uses uh, other things other than here's a, a horrifying visual for you. It, it just has none of that in this scene. So it's more of it's, it's usage of the sound, and it's not just the sound of the creatures, uh, which of course are kind of scary and things, but also. The characters involved, Sandra's character is breathing rapidly, she's stumbling, she's gasping, she's speaking frantically as she talks mm-hmm. to other characters mm-hmm. in the theme. And uh, at, the, at the point that she goes indoors, um, she has like a, a fishing line in uh, that she uses in order to get back to, you know, kind of like Hansel and Gretel with the breadcrumbs, just to get back to where she used to be. She used a, a fishing line cause a, as a clever way to be able to, without looking, just feel with her hands and go back to where she needs to. And so that at that point it's the fishing line she ties it on on a on a bed pole or a bed frame in order to because she had run out of line like she couldn't go further exploring inside the building that she had ma- managed to get into so she ties it there and then she goes does her thing try to get supplies but then she turns around and sees that whatever something is pulling on that line <laughs> and with such amount of strength that it's actually pulling an entire bed frame so this mm-hmm. isn't a little like squirrel or something that came along and and did something like it's and again it's uh, the filmmaking technique is they're not showing you what's outside but mm-hmm. yet your imagination is just running wild with okay that's kind of freaky you don't expect an entire bed to be just dragged across the floor and and so you know Sandra's character is of course apprehensive and 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 she goes outside and it's just the scene is just really neat the way it just uses those techniques to again just. Uh, punctuate and, and inject the elements of, of fear and anticipation and even uh, the cinematography that they use where when when Sandra's character gets outside and she stumbles uh, it's like a top-down look as opposed to a, a level mm. look where you get the sense of the the point of view of perhaps the creatures right looking down from about 10 feet above diagonally down the character or uh, the camera closing in on the little girl just these classic you know horror film mm-hmm. kind of techniques of yep. Getting in there, um, uh, and suddenly, the action, there's sudden action when the girl is yanked, and it's like, no, what, what's going to happen to her? So yeah, just <laughs> overall, uh, quite an entertaining film, and there's more elements than than what I'm describing in this scene, and so uh, I would recommend it, even if you per se don't really like horror, if you think you can handle it, but just take note of the maturity rating of the film is R, and there's there is some graphic violence in in the film. So uh, I don't know what did you think? Your first R our film surprise <laughs> i know you don't do those but uh yeah thanks for that i mean i have not seen bird box i am a fan of uh probably the latter half of sandra bullock's career so it's nice to see her there uh yeah i think that the elements that you're describing are uh, classic suspense features and I, I think we actually went over it in an earlier podcast uh episode where we talked about the aliens they just didn't have the budget for anything like that so uh, they, they they leaned heavily on these types of techniques uh, one of the things that i find especially with modern filmmaking that is a bit different from say the 
years past of the 80s and 90s is the rich color of sound production. So you, you talked a little bit about it in terms of um, the sound, certainly the shots and editing, but the sound production is incredibly complex. There's just multiple layers of things, metallic sounds, uh, droning sounds, which is very typical uh, to develop sort of the suspense. And then also the usage of choral kind of haunting um, just mm. voice uh, that just kind of intercedes here and there uh, to, um, to emphasize certain parts. You know, when she goes inside, it's silent. Um, and then as she's rummaging around, and then that bed frame, it, just, it doesn't just drag all of a sudden, it just drags slowly and then mm. drops like a thud, right? And it's just like... <laughs> so those, <laughs> those elements of sound are um, well done in the scene. I think they are obviously typical film techniques, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's it was very effective. I mean, even me, for someone that doesn't know what's going on, uh, you know, felt drawn to it. And then, what I really liked was the editing from when Sandra Bullock is running through the forest there, trying to get back, firing shots aimlessly, in a bit of a panic. Mm-hmm. And then they shoot, they, they clip to the two children on the on the boat. And there's a bit of a quiet, almost like a, a bit of a quiet, and you hear the echoes of that bullet. Like a tuk, tuk, tuk. And that's incredibly effective, for me anyway, to, to that, that sort of contrast between the two scenes. Um, almost like that much distance between where she needs to be and where the kids are, right? So I... I really thoroughly enjoyed that um, um, the sound production involved here and and the editing that uh, certainly complemented it and yeah um, yeah it was a great scene pick I um, might have to actually watch it so I actually heard mixed reviews of it but you know as part of uh, my education yeah. I just I'll, I'll I'll take a look at it for sure yeah I think there's some some critique it as far as um, maybe the pacing or sure. where does it really go um, makes reaction on the ending. Um, so I won't spoil sure. that, but yeah. It's sure, but I mean, it's, this is the scene review podcast, so that's <laughs> yeah. what's wonderful about it, right? So we, we can evaluate the scenes in question, um, the scenes that we want to look at, and uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Good pick. Thank you. Good. All right, so what have you got for us? Okay, so pretty excited to talk about this one. Uh, so... This is also a Netflix production, and it's the Queen's Gambit uh, miniseries. So I believe there are only seven episodes, so it's considered a miniseries. A lot of acclaim uh, with this series, numerous awards around it, based on a 1983 novel uh, written by Walter Tevis of the same title. And it basically follows the life of an orphan child prodigy called Beth Harmon. And there was a lot of good reviews out of this uh, particular series, numerous nominations for Emmys and Globe and Globes, so on and so forth. And one of the things that was outstanding uh, highlight, and I won't make this a, a series review, but they actually hired uh, chess consultants to come in and, and make sure that the game behavior was good. So there, there was a, there's certainly that element that helped inspire many different things, in fact, outside of... Um, the film in terms of chess a lot of people got renewed interest in chess which is kind of nice but let me just focus in on the scene today so 
like Alex, there are some moderate spoilers. The scene does take place later, uh, near the conclusion, in fact, of the series, which is kind of the reason why there's moderate spoilers in the way uh, I, I want to talk to it. So just a little bit of warning. Um, but if, uh, if you do uh, want to listen in, um, please continue to do so. So the, the scene takes place uh, on the squash court floor with Beth Harmon, the protagonist, and her friend Jolene, which is played by Moses Ingram. Uh, Beth Harmon is played by Anya Taylor-Joy, and the acting is, su- is, just, su- is just superb throughout. Uh, but the reason I picked this, this particular scene is the way it starts. You know, there's the camera that starts along the floor, along the, one of the lines of the squash court, and it starts to approach the two uh, actors sitting in a very casual uh, position against the wall. And, and again, this is kind of 101, but just kind of panning in slowly into the two as they're having a conversation. And as the, the conversation becomes incredibly that much more intimate. So obviously the, the close-ups, the facial expressions, and so on and so forth is, is utilized here. And you can see that as you get closer and closer and as the, the conversation becomes more intimate. But um, one thing that I, I wanted to point out with this scene was everyone is loves Anya Taylor and this and joy in this entire f- in the series but what I personally loved out of it was Moses Ingram like to me she's a complete standout I actually felt that every scene that she was in she stole it her acting uh, is just amazing uh, th- I believe this was her first work outside of uh, performance art school she attended uh, Baltimore School of Arts and also the Yale School of Drama and there's just this sort of naturalness to her delivery intonation of her voice her posturing it's just so natural and I really enjoyed watching her on screen uh, and is quickly becoming a favorite for me and I just can't wait to see the next project that she chooses so that's that's one thing that came to mind but I think personally one thing I really liked about it is her character Jolene in this scene plays um, a friend so just to give context uh, to the scene further is the reason why they're having this intimate conversation is Beth is in a bit of bind she's trying to get to Russia Moscow uh, in order to participate in the world championships of chess and a chess tournament but she, she doesn't have the money it's three grand and she's kind of burnt all her bridges uh, to get that money and then she's having this conversation with Jolene and Jolene at the end of it says you know I'll give it to you and the interesting part about this is that Jolene has not seen Beth for a long time they grew up on the orphanage together they spent many years but they probably spent just as much if not more apart than together and this is the first time that Jolene comes back into the picture and so what I really liked about this is I feel like everyone needs a Jolene. Someone that can be frank, someone that can tell it to you straight, someone that can give you that, um, that uh, they can just spit truth, but do it tactfully. That's one thing I really liked about mm-hmm. it. You know, there's one thing about being blunt. There's, and of course there is, she does swear at her here a little bit in, um, in the exchange, but it isn't done carelessly or even callously. It's done properly mm-hmm. because she's trying to make a point. And I know personally, I feel that there's you. you I, I feel personally that there's always everyone should have someone like a Jolene, someone that can just spit truth. 
And, it, <clears throat> and the last thing I'll add to this scene is there's actually an interesting narrative online about Jolene's character being a sub-character and it's a borderline trope where she's in a position just to kind of shore up the protagonist so that she can you know do extremely well in the film and uh, which is somewhat true but I actually think Jolene's character uh, accentuated in this scene is actually a character foil to Beth. Beth is sort of neurotic, a genius, all over the place. Jolene is grounded. She's um, had a plan, very much disadvantaged, started from, uh, you know, as a black woman in the 1960s and 70s, started from the same place in an orphanage, but is in a, pl- is in a position where her, she has a very good, clear vision of her career, has a good pathway to do it, and she's in a position to help her. Um, mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that it's, it's sharp characters are meant to foil that of Beth Harmon, uh, which is why I think this scene is great. Um, that, that exchange where she swears at her kind of <laughs> speaks to that. You know, you're not my guardian angel, right? You, you know, we're family, and that's kind of what we're here for. So anyway, I think I spoke a lot there, <laughs> yeah. got a little bit into yeah. it, but uh, I drew a lot from it, so uh, I thought I'd uh, make those points. Sure. Yeah, I'll share some thoughts too. Um, certainly, yeah, from the beginning, like you said, um, it it caught my eye to have the long dolly shot, mm-hmm. like with the the, the they start far away and then very very slowly <laughs> on the dolly, just getting in there as the conversation proceeds. Practically fifteen twenty seconds of that, and until the point that they're they're going back and forth A and B, and then it's just uh, side cameras at that point. But yeah, that was that was some some cool filmmaking. Um, going on there but yes overall this is a a nice uh, friendship scene and mm. i totally agree with you you know f- friendship's a big deal everyone's needs to have not just just casual acquaintances but you know one two or three really close really good or even best uh friends that can as you say uh, lay it to you straight and and really care for you and what you know really strikes stuck uh sticks out here is that the there's the no no second thoughts just decision to sacrifice it i'll give you you the three thousand wasn't even a thought or wasn't even a you know did any calculation going on it was just obvious for a best friend to do right kind of thing it's not giving something with one hand behind the back expecting Mm. something in return she even says you know maybe one day i'll i'll need something from you i doubt it but it's that (laughs) that is what that's what relationships are all about, right? It's it's not yeah. about the give and the and the take. It's it's the give, right? So it's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah, and mm. I noticed that what what you saw also with the how she deflects any notion of imbalance in the in the relationships. Like, mm-hmm. no, we're we're sisters, we're friends, and mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not your savior. We're it's not just in one direction. We're we're here right. for each other, right. and you know, and one day you know, I might need you too, and I'm gonna trust mm-hmm. that that you'll be there, and. Just it was really nice to see, but the the casual, familiar laughter and and the, the way the characters were with one another, yeah, really good. Yeah, pick. yeah, I like yeah no, and then I think it's just a as a final pot. Uh, sorry, final point here is that um, uh, the Scott Frank who directed this and also wrote it um, apparently bounced off an, an enormous amount of ideas. Well, maybe not enormous. Maybe that's a. <laughs> I'm not sure about that actually, but bounced off ideas with Moses Ingram as he was going through it, and that surprised her. Which is kind of nice because you know she's like new in all this, and but I really 
I like that. I like that, and I think it showed in the in the in the end product in, in the scenes that she was in. So uh, that was a, a nice little tidbit there about about the series and about the director. And and actually, there's there's a lot of talk right now about uh, trying to get uh, Moses Ingram or Jolene's character her own miniseries to talk about her journey and her uh, and her story. So I'd, I'd be excited to see that if that happened. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting piece of of uh, trivia because. Mm. Uh, you can imagine that when, whether it's a scriptwriter or a director or, or someone in that position uh, asking the actor for some input, then the actor becomes a little more invested or they can, right. they can right. act it a little more close to the heart or bring, the, bring to bear their own personal experience and therefore make it more authentic and more basically sure. a better, a well-acted a well scene. Yeah, For yeah. sure. Anyway, that's... Uh Thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. And um, I guess that's a, a bit of a wrap for number 13. Yeah. And for um, everyone that is listening, uh, as a reminder, we do have show notes on each of our episodes on that you can follow up and read. Sometimes we have some interesting notes that are not covered in the actual audio. So I do encourage everyone to do so. Um, and then as well, I encourage anyone that has scenes of their own that they'd like us to review more than happy to do so in fact we already have our first request alex you don't oh, you probably okay. don't realize that but yes so <laughs> we'll have to to put that in the schedule at some point so looking forward to that sure okay okay thanks thanks everyone thanks and uh, have a good night bye-bye take care thanks for listening you can email us at scene review at 20 digit.com and find us on YouTube by searching for 20 Digit Productions. And we're 20 Digit on Twitter and Instagram. Note that our website and all our online IDs are spelled with numbers 20DIGIT. Thanks for listening to the 20 Digit Scene Review Podcast.